Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Agile Podcast. Bit of a special one this time because it was recorded live and you can see that back on Jeff's YouTube channel. But secondly, because it was Halloween this week. So we did something a bit different. We went down to Salisbury to find one of the most haunted pubs in Britain. Ooh, I know I was a bit scared to be honest, but I was brave. So we sat down over a couple of pints and had a bit of a chat. Anyway, here we go. Play the jingle. Afternoon. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. It's not quite afternoon yet, 10, 10 to 12. Oh, yeah, that's true. Of course, we can't even pretend it's afternoon now, can we? Because we're live. No. Coming <laughs> to you live from Salisbury. That light coming through is a bit. Oh, I suppose it's a little bit eerie. Can you see the spider? See the spider behind me? Still got the Halloween pumpkins. Theme. This is a cracking pub. It's called the, the Haunch of Venison in the middle of Salisbury. And uh, it's a spooky pub. It's a good pub. Look, it's going to be one of my favourites. This proper, could be one of Jeff's favourites. Fire burning, proper like wood beam room. Li- we're in a little kind of cubby hole, aren't we? Like, yeah. All the rooms are all. The pub's very feels very small, but it's got lots of little hideaway it's places. It's very yeah, cool. It's an old old pub with a lot of history behind it. Here's some of the history. <laughs> the hand. <laughs> The hand. So Tell us about the hand. Yeah. Well, this is one of the haunted. I just arrived. Most, I don't even know. Well, what this I only is. just, I just got here. I've been doing a little bit of research. This is one of the most haunted pubs in Britain. In Britain, I think so. Well, probably in the world. Why not? Why not? Let's say the world. Who's going to prove me wrong? Um, and the hand is a big part of it. So there are a number of ghosts that are regularly seen here. Really? One of whom is a man who had his hand chopped off hundreds of years ago. He was staying here. Um, and to pay for his inn, for his keepings, lodgings, he was playing whist. And he was so good at playing whist that he won so much money that the, the locals became suspicious of him. Right. They thought he must have been uh, playing tricks. Okay. And uh, so they, they cut off his hand and found some trick. Uh, and apparently, years later, when the pub was being refurbished, they found a hand and the cards. No. Well preserved. No way. Yeah. So apparently, that, apparently, this ghost is seen here quite a lot. Not the only ghost that's seen here either. Some a ghost of some woman who lost her child, sent her child to the pub to buy some bottles of beer. The child never came back. She came searching for it. Apparently, this woman's still seen now looking for her child. So a spooky. spooky that's how they keep they keep this hand in the pub. So no, don't play any horrible practical jokes on me while we're here because I scare easily, as as you know. So yeah, that's that, and um, I've got some local beer. What have you got? Well, it was GFB. It was called. GFB. So I asked the barman what it stood for. He said, God's favourite beer. Oh. It's a local Salisbury thing. Apparently that's just what the locals call it. It's actually called Gilbert's First Brew. Okay. But um, because it's so nice, they, they, they called it God's favourite beer. I'm going to try it. Nice. The Hopback Brewery. Oh, it's in a, it's in a that glass. It doesn't taste that alcoholic, actually. That tastes That's dangerous. Really, really easy to drink. No, yeah, nice and smooth. Room temperature, quite hoppy. A little bit of fruit. Talking of fruit, what have you got? You don't know, do you? Because I, I bought it for no. you. It's Simmons. It looks like Simmons. It's, it's in a Simmons, Simmons glass. Mm-hmm. 
Herefordshire, Herefordshire cider. It's all right, Simmons, good. So, um, taste of apples, Jeff. Taste of apples. I tell you what, so um, I tell you um, on a different cider note, mm. I just come back from holiday um, where, and I was in um, Cyprus and they serve a lot of Summersby. Yes. Yeah, Summersby. Yeah, which that's is, quite big in Portugal. Yeah, it? so it's kind of um, more of a Europe. I think it might even be brewed by Heineken as it's part of that company. But it is the sweetest cider I think I've ever tasted. And it's my favourite cider. Oh, is it now? Because it's so it's just like apple ties. Always has been or it is now. It is now. Okay. It's it's and it's um it's just the sweetest it's like even I think even my son at the age of seven tasted it and liked it. So it's it's obviously dangerous. Yeah. So he didn't have much of it, but um it was it was good enough. And it was lovely lovely, my favourite cider. Mm. I could drink it like like water. Because okay. so it's, it's incredibly sweet. So that's but that isn't that's not bad actually. It's quite sweet, but it's um I don't like I don't like dry. I discovered that I don't really like dry cider at all. So this is good. Mm, maybe your taste will change. Maybe you've changed. I've just, got, I've just got a very sweet tooth. So we we've chosen this pub deliberately, not just because it's it's it was Halloween on Wednesday, and it's still sort of Halloweeny week. People are still trick or treating. Um. But because I was asked a question a while ago, well, not that long ago actually. Um, by Arnold, I think I don't yeah, ask Arnold, me, I don't Arnold, know. yes, Arnold, who 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 was asking me about uh, villains. He wanted to know what we can learn. Wasn't this villains. on the back of your of last year's Halloween? Yes. So so it's a long, convoluted story. But because this time last year I was speaking at um, at in Ireland at a meetup group because it was the Scrum Gathering. It was the Scrum Gathering. Yeah, and I was dressed. Pretty well, actually. If I say so myself, as the Joker, and it was—it's come around. It's been my my picture's been coming back to haunt me. <laughs> and uh, so people ask me about villains and things. So um, I thought, well, I can't really do that on my own because my my film knowledge is. Oh, this is the brain. This was this is what puzzled <clears throat> me on the way over here is that how's Jeff going to talk about films that he hasn't even seen? Well, I've watched so. three films in the last couple of days. I watched it. Did you do research? And I watched. Uh, Get Out. Oh, I heard. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's scary. And that's a proper Halloween film. Oh, I watched Sixth Sense again. Okay. Uh, so I've watched four films. There was another one. What did I watch yesterday? Uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yes, Blade Runner. Yeah, mm. 2049. Mm. So I have watched four more films this week than I have probably in you know, a good part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not necessarily research. Just I've watched films for a while. Which version of it? The 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 reboot, Robin. The reboot. Um, I haven't watched the original. Can I make my confession now then? Come on then. So um, I only I'm I'm scared of scary films. Um, don't like them. Don't like films that make me jump. Um, I have watched it, the reboot. I watched the original. Have you seen the original? No. The the the, t- the kind of straight to uh, DVD version. That's very good actually. The Tim Curry version is good. But I watched the reboot, but I only watched films like that on um, mute mm. because the music and the sounds make me jump. And I watched them with subtitles on. So I watched <laughs> Stephen King's It, the reboot, with the subtitles on. And it was... Brackets. Scream now. Yes. It's, and it gives you, like, brackets, eerie music or loud bang. <laughs> so that's, that's, um, that's fine for me. So, yeah, I, I, but I was thinking it doesn't have to be just movies. There are... No, there's plenty of villains. So one thing I watch, for example, is The Walking Dead, which you don't watch. I've watched some of it. Okay. 
Um, and there's a there's a there's a baddie in there called Negan. You're gonna probably spoil it. Massive massive spoiler alert now, isn't well, it? A spoiler alert. Maybe. I mean, I'm not gonna give too much of the plot away, but well, maybe I am. Yeah, okay, so spoiler <laughs> alert. Well, um, for our if you idiots. don't want if you don't want to know what happens in The Walking Dead, press mute now. So there's there's generally a, a hero of The Walking Dead, this guy who's been this is, that's um, Rick 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 Grimes, yeah, who's who's been there for a long time, and at some point in I'll say series five or something, I don't know, Negan is is a, is a new villain that's introduced. So he he runs another community, post-apocalyptic community, but he runs it in a very different way to Rick. So Rick's a little bit more. I think I have seen this one. Okay. I, think I know this one. Libertarian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, sort of you know, democratic nice kind of style and Negan is much more authoritarian rules with a not so much an iron fist but with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire yes and if you step out of line then, then you get it so he he's a villain in Rick's eyes but in his but eyes but a hero and in the community's eyes he's a hero isn't he or well, a, so a he rules of, through fear yes but he provides that community with something Security, yes, safety. So you safety. do what I say, and I will keep you safe. Uh -huh. um, and in many ways, it works in in his community. But in his eyes, that is the only way yeah. of survival. So to to him, to Negan, he is a hero, and yes. Rick is the is, is the, the, is the bad guy. Yeah, because he's coming along and threatening his way of the status quo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is that that classic line, isn't it? That every villain is the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what can we learn from that? Well, first thing we can learn is that if, to you, the person that you're seeing as an enemy, a threat, is possibly seeing you the same way. Well, that's true. And is, is you, is this, if you believe that something is right, this, this comes back to a little bit what you were talking about in your, your streamed yeah. um, YouTube thing earlier this week. Was that if if you believe you're in that place and you you're surrounded by people that are telling you that this is the way that things are, mm. then you will believe that that's that's the way things are. Yeah. If you know nothing else, know nothing better, know mm. nothing different, who are who who are you as an agile coach to come in and tell us that we're doing something wrong? Who mm. who are you? You know that, that type of thing. Yeah. You've got no reason to believe that what you what you've done mm. isn't right. Yeah. Those two protagonists. Rick and Negan. Yeah, they tried many different ways of trying to convince the other party that their way of doing it was necessary or the right way. Yeah, um, neither of them were prepared to give up their ideals, their, their their principles, if you like. And the other person doesn't view the other person's principles as actual principles, but that's another story. Mm. Um, yeah. So, who who are your favourite movie villains? I asked my kids, and they said. But I don't have a favourite movie villains because all villains, villains are baddies, and I don't like baddies. But do you have any favourite? So the one that I thought of in the car on the way here today was Thanos. Okay, so the, from the Avengers. Have you seen that film, Jeff? Yes. Right. Good. So we can talk about that. Um, so that was an interesting villain. So villain in so much as the, that Thanos uh, was a, an, an enemy of the Avengers. But the interesting way that they cast that, him in that story was really as the main protagonist of that story. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the Aven in the uh, spoiler alert, uh, Avengers: Infinity War, Thanos wins. Yeah. Thanos um, gets. He snaps his fingers. I'll do that again. For uh, for the for, for the viewers. Um, 
and he does. He wins. He gets his wishes, and I know it's a bit of a you know. There's, there's a, there, we kind of knew there's another story coming, but in that particular, if that's a standalone story in itself, mm. Thanos does win, and there is some method to his madness. Yeah. Do you see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in terms of there is, um, you know, the world's overpopulated. Mm-hmm. We need to every now and again the the, the world needs to trim itself down, mm. and that's his way of just random saying. You know, half of you are going to get a, get get survive. Half of you aren't. Yeah. So he's doing it for what he believes are good reasons. It's the, the greater good. Yeah. Which leads me on to another film. But I'll so do we need a purge? Is well, that what you're saying the purge. <laughs> the purge is another film. Isn't <laughs> I haven't it? seen that. But it's been on film. my list. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. But the idea of yeah is that every that if the world's overpopulated, it needs to regulate itself. Mm-hmm. Any other favourite villains? Um, the other one I thought of was um, Voldemort. Okay. What drives Voldemort? I think, isn't it um, kind of... So I've seen the Harry Potter films. You, you're aware of them. I'm reading the books though, actually. I'm enjoying the books, actually, more than the films mm. with my kids. So, um, Voldemort, what drives Voldemort? Um, isn't just an unlimited power, isn't it? Is it control? I think there's an element of jealousy there. Yeah, okay. Isn't there? F- over who? Of what? Harry. Over Harry, and the fact that he he doesn't like that Harry defied him, or kind of... Why did he, why did he try and kill Harry in the first place? I can't remember. I think it was because he knew there was the prophecy, wasn't there? I think he knew that this person was a threat to him. And I think as the as the stories went on, yeah, he became more of a a jealousy thing and a because he could just put him to one side. Anyway, my my point behind that was what's driving him is that I think a lot of the the villains that I see in films they've all, they're all missing something. I'm not talking about pathological villains here. I'm not in a place to talk about pathology and psychopathy and stuff. But in terms, most of them are missing something. They want something that they don't currently have. Um, so Gollum, oh, Gollum. The ring. He loved that ring, didn't he? And what that ring... But was he really a villain? He was made out to be a villain. I think he turned into a villain. Easily manipulated. Mm. But craving something that... From, from a, a, you know, craving something that they didn't have. Mm. What was the villain? Was it the ring or was it Sauron? Sauron, I suppose, isn't it? But without that, the ring, Sauron wouldn't have been a villain, maybe. Well, there's a lot of villains, wasn't there? Mm. There was Saruman. I feel like I should do impressions every time. You I did do then, it. I think. Saruman. <laughs> um. But no, I think they're all missing something. And so, one of the one of the things that I think drives dysfunctional behaviour, both at a personal level and within an organisation, is when we don't have one or some of our innate needs met. Yeah. So one of the there are, there are plenty of models out there, but the one that I often fall back to is uh, the human givens okay so the human givens model saying that there are a number of um, innate human needs that we have 
and when those needs are met then we thrive but if one or more of those needs aren't met then we then we don't uh, and you often see some dysfunctional behavior as a result whether that's acting out as, as a child or trying to exert your autonomy in another area or something these needs are um, safety security feeling loved mm. the ability to progress challenge things like that um, I think a lot of the villains are, are missing some of that thing you see well most villains tend to have a weakness don't they or have some I watched the, the film I watched the other day was Venom you seen Venom it's just out of the cinema the Tom Hardy film no. um, and it's again to the Marvel thing which I, I like but again this 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 in the um, in the film, I think it's it, Riot. Riot's the, the enemy. I'm going to say Riot. Might be wrong. Um, but they have, uh, and Venom itself has a, as, as an alien, has a, as a villain. So in, that's an interesting one because that's a story done quite badly, if I'm honest. If I'm brutal as a critic, okay. um, where the the initially the villain to ends up being a hero. So the villain is Venom. Yes. Okay. So it starts off. Um, very much as the enemy of uh, Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy, who's a journalist. Okay. And kind of over, it's a symbiote, so it kind of takes on. Isn't know, that the guy that was Spider Man's editor? No, I didn't know. That's um, someone else. Okay. I can't think. Yeah, Eddie Brock was it. Um, he's part of the, like I said, part of the same Marvel Universe. He's a journalist. Okay. He, I think he did work at the same newspaper, okay. technically. Um, I lost So this alien uh, symbiote that, that's brought to Earth yeah. um, takes uh, attacks Eddie Brock and becomes his alter ego and kind of drives him to do nasty things, okay. eat eat people and things like that. Yeah. But eventually, um, turns out to for, to be good. Mm. There's got there's some kind of, but they did it really badly in the film, if you ask me. But um, all of a sudden, the enemy becomes. Oh, I'm actually. I'm actually a bit of a loser on my own planet, so I think I'll stay here and be a good guy, which we've done really badly. But that's beside the point. But it's that the villains can still go through the same kind of transformation. Yeah, and I can think of a story in BT where some some of the the worst, the, the kind of the naysayers, mm. senior managers in BT, that were actively opposing the transformation. Yeah went on a kind of road to Damascus conversion and mm. ended up being some of the biggest advocates mm. because... What caused that? I think it was just experience based, like they had to be involved in a project that did deliver, it did, it went through some kind of um, almost miracle delivery okay. whereby people actually applied decent principles and got some, because sometimes your biggest villains can actually turn out to be your biggest heroes. Yeah. In that, in terms of vocalizing, someone who's really vocalizing how not to do, why something shouldn't work and why it won't work, they can, they could actually turn out to be an incredible positive, and they, they certainly didn't beat it at the time. Okay, so now I've just got two thoughts that have flashed into my mind. Go on. And I don't want to lose either of them, but I don't want to go too fast. So the first one is Darth Vader. Yes. Okay. So when you talk about a villain turning good. Yes. Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, there's there's an example. Now, what's his weakness? There, it's it's it's, it's his love, love for his son. It's love, love for his son. Yeah, it's family bond. Um, There's still good in him. Yeah, Jeff. there's still good in him. I I feel the good in you. And uh, <laughs> so so the the yeah, there's the connection. If I'm to to try and abstract this, there's connection. There's there's bonds. There's commonality. There's empathy. There's 
there's that, and I think, and and the other, which is a very different, very different thing, is, and I'll use two examples here, Mary Poppins and Nanny McPhee. So both of those people, although ultimately were always good, were viewed and perceived as bad to start with. Yes. The children did not like those people. They Is were. that true of Mary Poppins as yeah. well? Okay. I think it's been a long time since I've seen Mary Poppins, but I'm not not a fan of Mary Poppins as a movie, but it's been on my head. I think let's stick with Nanny McPhee. Go go with Nanny McPhee. Yeah. So she was not liked by the kids. They thought she was a baddie because of the discipline, rigor, and self-reflection she was inflicting on those kids. They didn't want it. Yes. They were quite happy being in charge. Um, But as as the movie goes on, she she in their eyes turned into a goody even though she was a goody all along mm. that's a deep one isn't it mm. and um, I know you've been a fan of the phrase that a scrum master should be prepared to be unpopular yeah be prepared to be a baddie well yeah in some sense you have to be the villain yourself don't you put, be prepared to put people's noses out of joint for the greater good yeah so there is a link I wasn't intending there to be a link, but there is a link between this and my last live stream, where I was, I was basically inviting people to try and... I was about to say try and convince me. I suppose that is ultimately what I was, what I was asking people to do. But what was interesting for me was Severus Snape. To become, well, but wasn't he a goodie all along, Robin? I don't... I see. There's. There, I still haven't reconciled that in my mind. Was he a goodie all along, playing the role of a baddie, to be a goodie? There's, that's that's a that's really deep. But um, this because he was part. Yeah. This convincing me thing. Yeah. Sorry. Most people, since I've posted that video, their their attempts to convince me have been around rationale, logic. Okay. And um, trying to provide more evidence that I'm wrong. And I don't know what you think, but for me, when trying to convince people's minds, when they've already made an opinion, evidence, argument, logic, rationale, rarely change, rarely wins today. Mm. Decisions are made with emotion. Mm. Minds are changed by, in my opinion. Mm. And what you're saying there is Darth Vader. He he had all the logic in front of him. They tried all the, you know, the world's going to be a better place and people are happier and blah 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 blah. But it was only when emotion got involved. That he changed his mind. Mm. But there was so you, you said it mentioned before about ruling through fear. Mm. There was you know it's the quintessential enemy villain, isn't he? In terms of yeah, through fear, just mm-hmm. in the way his costume, mm-hmm. the way he was perceived. That's an interesting thing. Costumes. Go with me on that metaphor okay. for a minute. But just the perception. And there was I can again I think back to BT. I can think of plenty of villains in BT. I won't name them. Um, but there was people that had an air of fear around mm. them wasn't there yeah. even without mentioning their names you know well, you, you could just call them Alistair if you wanted to. <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that but um, there was people that just the, the the mere threat of someone being on a conference call with you yeah. that had that name yeah would would install sometimes action it would yeah. actually people would turn up if they knew that that type of person was a true pe- people would, would run away Mm. If they knew that type of person, yeah, they'd make excuses. But those those types of people did did make things happen. So there was an area of that that the villain being 
a feared, a feared character, but but almost an enforcer. So Darth Vader was kind of an, an enforcer mm. for the Emperor. Really, he's, he's, yeah. he was the puppet really for the Emperor. So, and in many organisations that I see, is, is there will be some kind of um, threatening personality or yeah, Nigel troubleshooter. Rock bilers or something, yeah, like lap dogs or something, yeah, attack dogs. But so, so I'm going to go back to my human givens thing then. Even though Darth Vader arguably wasn't a human at that point, but he's more machine now than yeah. man. The he, That's another impression. He it um, <laughs> was was the lackey for the emperor. Yeah, and so didn't have that sense of autonomy. Wasn't really respected. Didn't have a sense of challenge anymore. And because those needs weren't met, we found himself questioning what he was doing and why, mm -hmm. and was then given a reason. I introduced the term a fake because mm. um, to my video before, where he was then given an opportunity, an excuse, a reason to get out of that paradigm, yeah. which was Luke. Yeah. Um, and his impending death. Yes. He knew there was very little left. Exactly. Uh, so on my time is limited, life. yeah. Which is an interesting one from a perspective of to question things. So we're, we're quite big fans of powerful hypothetical questions. You know, if you were on your deathbed, would you? Um, what would you do differently? Mm. What, what would your opinion be then? Question: Do hierarchy do the same thing? Job titles such as manager could increase the fear. True. Does a team feel empowered enough to question management options? Yeah, I think hierarchy and job titles and organisational structure, but not just not just the formality, the informality of things as well. The 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 respect, the sometimes I'd be unwilling to question things simply because of who it is, not because of their role, but maybe you, because mm. um, I'm scared of Paul. Many people are. Um, yeah, we need to, we need to feel we need to feel safe. There was a tweet. I think Nigel retweeted it, which was um, so it wasn't Nigel, Nigel can't get credit for it, but you get credit for retweeting it. <laughs> which we don't want to give Nigel something along the lines anything. of one of the one of the uh, most powerful and sort of uncomfortable feelings yeah. in any leader's life is the moment when you realise you're the villain in somebody else's story, mm. and some degree all leaders are and they have to be prepared to be that because they're going to have to make difficult decisions they're going to have to move people out of their comfort zone and move an organization forward once you realize that you're in the way once you realize that people see you as the biggest blocker to progress mm. that's really quite unsettling mm. yeah turkey's vote for christmas isn't it is it event if you're if you're a senior manager and effectively you're voting for empowerment, you're basically voting yourself out of a job. Well, you're voting yourself out of that job, but not necessarily a job. So I do a lot of stuff with leadership teams at the moment, and effectively talking, talking, about them, talking to them about creating a more resilient organisational culture, one that can withstand shocks, mm. and an organisation that is hierarchical and based on command and control mm. isn't very resilient 
because once you feel something at the ground level, it has to be escalated. Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. Yeah. Decisions, and then comes all the way down again. You can't do that. So to to increase your resilience, the teams need to be more self-managing and proactive and understanding of what's going on. And that requires letting go of a certain amount of control, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of traditional leaders roles and responsibilities are built on. So yes, I'm doing myself out of that formal control role, but I'm creating a new role for me, which is how can I help you do that? How can I give you the support to do that? How can I give you the environment that will allow you, allow you to do that? How can I develop you? What what help do I do I need to give you? What, and then thinking about, well, where do we go strategically? How as an organization can we respond? Um, so it's a really different type of role, the kind of behaviours they're expecting new leaders in this new, more resilient organisation are very different. Mm. But it's not out of a role, it's not out of a job. I'm going to make a leap now, you've got me thinking about other films, other villains. Hannibal Lecter. So that was, one, that was actually one of the first villains that came to mind right? Uh, for me. And it was probably one of the first scary movies that I ever watched, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those. Can movies. you imagine watching that in the cinema? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. That's, well, that'd be one thing I wouldn't go and see. Just hold on to the, the Hannibal Lecter thing for a minute. Okay. What you just said there made me think. So, another film I watched in the last week, it was amazing how many films I watched, was Goosebumps 2. Not seen that. That's a kid's film. It's a kid's film. So, Cody wanted to watch it, so I took Cody to watch it. Um, and. So it's got a doll, like a, a ventriloquist dummy is the baddie, which right. like Chucky basically, right. a child's play. Okay, yeah. And I was amazed that Cody wanted to see it because <laughs> Cody is scared of stuff. More scared right? than me. So he's bit, yeah, he's a bit of a worse like yeah. Um, so, but he wanted to see it and because he wanted to see it, he was determined not to be scared by it. So he was okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it made me think, if he, if, he, if he could watch that, could he watch Child's Play? Okay. Now for me, I haven't watched Child's Play since the first time I watched it, right? And it left a, you know, it was it was quite a scary film. That's the one with Chucky, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the time, yeah. But would it be scary now? It's like Jaws. Jaws wouldn't be scary now. No. It's so terrible. Yeah. Because of things have moved on. But a classic at its time. Um, so yeah, that, that was my that was my thought. Is it would, it would actually Silence of the Lambs watching it now would yeah, it yeah. still be as scary? I don't know, but I, it was one of those films that I did have to watch again to really understand it better mm. because I was a bit too young when I first saw it. So, mm. um, so yeah, Hannibal Lecter. So that there's a there's a there's a psychological disturbance there. He is a psychopath. Yes. Right. Which we're not qualified to analyse, but there's something that we use from that film, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the. I was going to go down the whole. Um, well, so the. <laughs> The link between, in terms of um, knowing people's weaknesses, mm. in terms of okay. being able to manipulate. Wasn't where I thought you were going to go. No, I, I, know, I, know, I think I know where you thought I was going to go. But um, but is it one in five, the, the, the statistics around one in five CEOs at yeah. organisation level show psychopathic yeah. tendencies? So in terms of um, uh, emotion, not emotional, Cognitive empathy, being mm. able to so I know what your weaknesses are, and I'm going to exploit them yeah. to make you do for me what I want you to do. Yeah. So there's that there's that link there. Where I think you think thought I was going to go was on how to basically problem solving. Mm -hmm. So basically, what how would a psychopath approach the problem that we currently have? Yeah. So basically, take it's easier to sometimes and it's basically disrupt and um, 
destroy the problem, make it worse, how can I make the situation worse, might actually help us find a way to reverse that to make that situation better. Yeah. Is that what you thought? Definitely. Right. Yeah, that's exactly where I thought you were going to go. But that, that um, yeah, so let's deal with that first. Um, people often get a mental block. Yeah. Of, of you know, how do I solve this impediment? How do I, how do I help this team? How do I make this change? Whatever. Um, and run out of ideas, and then just thinking about how to make it worse is a lot freer. So it's, it gives a sense of sort of liberty mm. um, and even if it's just a case of flipping the, the the way of making it worse to find a way of stopping it getting worse yeah. then at least you're a little bit further forward so a bit of risk assessment but often um, it just frees people up in, and frees their creative block mm. but the whole psychopath in the boardroom thing is, yeah. is an interesting one so we do quite a bit of um, well when, we, when, we, when we're trying to help scrum masters trying to help them remove impediments, mm. um, deal with people, deal with situations. Um, and it involves persuading. A scrum master doesn't have authority. They, they, don't, they don't have the Darth Vader approach. They can't no. say, do this, no. or else. They have to try and influence, persuade, lobby, cajole, that kind of thing. Um, and so we, we give people, try and give people, a number of different ways of um, doing that, techniques. And we, we give it with the premise of to use the movie line, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. All these psychological uh, techniques and aw awareness of how people yeah. think and act and make decisions is potentially powerful knowledge that you could misuse. Mm. Um, and we trust Scrum Masters are, are ethical uh, and not pathological. Mm. Um, but that information's there. Right, that that is how that people have their cognitive biases. They have their blind spots. They have their defaults. That that's just fact. And it's just even if you need to be able to adjust your style, adjust your approach, adjust adjust the language that you use, yeah, to know how someone might, how you can make a connection with those people for different in different circumstances. Yeah. Not so label them a villain, but just know, almost know how they might be thinking about this problem. Yeah. So here's a bit of an insight into me. Go on then. So, for those of you that watch all of my videos, then you're 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 in with a, a bit a bit of a sneak here. But so the previous video was how to change my mind. So I'd already made my mind up. Mm. There are lots of ways that you can potentially change my mind once my, once you made my mind up. But had my friends known me better, uh, and had it not been as fun to just have an argument about yeah. it on a drunken weekend. Mm. Uh, if they'd have really wanted me to get on board with their idea, mm. what they would have done to play to me, my, my defaults, my drivers, would have been to put this conundrum forward mm. with a, this is weird, most people don't get this. Mm. Um, how can we, how can we, you know, we'll bring another friend into this equation, we'll call him Chris. Because right. that's his name. How can we <laughs> tease Chris? Right. With this, okay. Okay. So that would have that would have given me an incentive to learn the alternative. To play both sides of to the debate. Both, yeah. To to find a way to understand it. Yeah. So that I can confound Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That would have played to my defaults. Okay. That would have got me on board without having to convince me. I'd have convinced myself. Okay. Right. When you've had to almost when you had to put the argument, put both sides of the story to an, across to a third party yeah. or a neutral party. I'd have wanted to look like the clever one. Okay, to so play, playing to your to your um, pandering to yeah. your needs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. That would have helped. Uh, and it, it potentially still could. Right, if I hadn't gone out online and told the world how stupid I am, um, then that would have been an option. Right? I could have I could have played this to, to somebody else and said, right, this is your opportunity to look clever at a Christmas party or mm. look clever at the office do mm. or something. Mm. But um, no, everybody knows how stupid I am. <laughs> I kind of nailed my colours to the master. But yeah, finding out what drives people can turn someone that looks like a villain into an ally. Yeah. And not all villains are villains. No, no. And I think we've got to be open to that, right? So, because you can create actually, you can create monsters. I was got. I had another thought of another film then, but it's gone. Don't worry. But well, um, Pennywise. Yeah. Is only powerful. Yes. If you're scared. Yes, he plays is, out your fears. Yeah, he? like a bogart in Harry Potter. That's correct. Yeah. So look at me talking like I know what I'm talking about as a film critic. <laughs> So yeah, and and often people will will, will put uh, there's probably a really clever word for this, but they'll they'll characterise somebody as yes. a villain, and they'll take sort of solace in the fact. And a lot that of it's outside. hearsay, isn't it? A lot mm. of it's um, organisational hearsay. Oh, you don't want to end up on the on the wrong side of X, yeah, because so and so will happen. You know, you'll be the end of you, be mm. the end of your career. But you know, at the end of the day, people are, hopefully are all human. Um, but yeah, so and at the end of spoiler alert at the end of it they basically defeat Pennywise by just not being afraid of him yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. that's the way they do they defeat it yeah <sighs> defeated might be too strong well, a word cliffhanger um, and you mentioned something else earlier on as well which made me think yeah so Thanos when you said Thanos won did yeah. he win? And that's 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 the question for me that isn't answered. Because Did that lead- it didn't look like he felt like he'd won. No. To me. No. Almost like he'd regretted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's that's a cliffhanger for another day maybe. So there. Probably better. So we haven't got a top ten. I don't know. Would we have a top ten to your favourite film? I do think it's a bit cliche these days, isn't it? To say Heath Ledger's Joker is is, a, is your favourite. Everyone says that these days. Yeah. He was good fun. Um Hannibal Lecter, I think, is quite. A, he's a very clever villain. Mm. I like Hannibal Lecter. I see. I, I had a chat with my daughter about this and said, "One of the favourite villains." And I said, "Gru from." Uh, I was Spring thinking about that. Yeah. And she said, "He's not a villain." I said, "Well, he's the I think he's goes, painted as a villain, he, but he goes through that switch and he changes, he? doesn't he? Mm. The anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously he's funny. Yeah, well, maybe um, probably wasn't exactly where. <laughs> I don't know if we can we've, we've named a few. I don't know if we can name a top ten, but but Helen Lecter would be at the top of mine. Mm. Yeah. And mostly played by British actors. <laughs> well, that's a stereotype. Isn't <laughs> that's it? The whole, I would see the British accent. British as, as the uh, as the villainous accent. Yeah. See, if Nigel was here, he'd probably be telling me all sorts of James Bond villains. James Bond villains. Blofeld. Yeah, Doctor Evil. He's one of my. But Blo- so that's that's again that's that's the film I thought of. We, saw it, we were on holiday, and it was one of those just flicking through TV channels. And um, what's the, what's the latest? Uh, f- uh, no, 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 no. What was the latest Bond film? Come on, with with Blofeld. You probably haven't seen it. Anyway, um, that was on Quantum of Solace. No, the one after that. Um, uh, Octopus. No, Octopus in it. <laughs> yeah, Scepter. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Look at me. Um, and um, yeah, so that's a, a, a good example of a similar to 
um, <laughs> happy about it. Yeah, but basically, uh, Blofeld believes, firmly believes, that he is doing the right thing yeah. by basically writing the wrong in the world. The world's lost control, it needs people like me to take back control. Mm. It's a similar kind of Thanos situation. Yeah. Very similar villain story. Well, but of course, ultimately, he loses, or does he? Does he? But there's, there's the, I think, without wishing to get too deep on this one, there's, there's a link to the Kinevin framework here. Okay. So I think there's, there's a border between the chaos domain and the complex domain. Yeah. So in the chaotic domain, things are so chaotic that someone just needs to make a decision. Jamie, we're in Salisbury. We're in a, we're in a scary pub in the middle of Salisbury. Um, yeah, so there's the, and in any decision is better than no decision. Yes. And someone needs to just take control yes. and just do something. Whereas in the, in the complex domain, you actually need a number of parallel experiments with a cross-functional team to emerge the answer. Mm. And on, on that threshold, I think it's difficult for, for leaders to... It's very easy for leaders to think, OK, it's chaos, therefore I need to do it. Take it's control. an excuse to yeah. take control, yeah. rather than let a team take control. Well, we were. You mentioned about Russian villains. It's one of the reasons why why we came here. We thought um, it's it's got history. Yeah. We haven't gone to Prezo. It's topical. Uh, but have a shot of uh, what's it called, Novichok. Novichok. Yeah. Shot of no Novichok. To There's got to be a. There must be a bar in Salisbury that's played on the whole. Yeah. Created a cocktail based on Novichok. Yeah. Surely Molotov. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Podcast gets political. So if if the last if this is the last podcast. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry I interrupted you then. Wait, yeah. No, I think that was pretty much it. I think the, there's the and there is that's the, another cognitive bias, right? So when you talk about leaders worrying about whether they've lost their role, lost their job, it's very easy to to concoct a scenario and convince ourselves that actually what we've been used to doing and where we've added value in the past is still relevant, rather than accepting that actually it's not. Mm. It's just it's complex. Yes. Well, and, and that's a huge again. Villains are made usually made out to appear that things are worse than they actually are, and, and the hero is there to kind of temper that that delusion, isn't it? Yeah. That actually it's not as bad as you might think. We can we we can solve this. They're the last stand. Yeah. The last beacon of hope. Yeah. The scrum master, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Or a team of scrum masters. Yeah. I don't ever understand it. Yeah, that's right. Overthrown. Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed that. We're, we're at the 42 minute mark, which is kind of a threshold, really. I think, yeah, people probably get bored by then. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for that. That was enjoyable. Yeah. I love talking about movies. Yeah. My favourite subject. Good one for you. Thanks for joining me. Cheers. Thanks for joining in, all of you. Uh, good chat. And uh, see you soon. Ta-da.